I don't know how this will make me come off, but um, I've been sneaking some of my wife's prenatal vitamins. I figure it's good enough for the little baby, good enough for the big baby. Yeah. Is that the dumbest thing? <laughs> I wanted to say that or not. Was that a joke? Or is, are you really taking prenatals? No. No, no I... Oh, I was like, I don't think they could harm you. No, it's probably. I just. Are you still taking the brain pills? Yeah, lions, man. Yeah, yeah. Working on my own combo. Oh, yeah, I know. We harder than it looks. I don't know. Maybe prenatal vitamins are good for adults. I learned this week I can't eat a lot of apples. I told you this earlier this week. Yeah. I bought That's a weird. I bought a bag of apples, thinking you know, gotta be healthy, you know. And then my stomach started to hurt every day. And I was eating one every day. So I ate the last one when I saw you when we went book shopping. And uh, yeah, I haven't eaten an apple since. So take that, doctors. I don't know. What do you think? What's your normal diet like? Mm, pretty bad. So Yeah, so maybe, maybe it was just too healthy. It too? was flushing the system. Yeah. You know, it's That's... all the toxins leaving. It's all the toxins. It's like healthy stuff entering and my body's mm-hmm. rejecting it. Yeah. You're like, no, that's no good. Mm-hmm. It's like a bar with a dress code. So my body's not having it. Is it though? I don't know if that even makes bars, sense. Bars have dress codes? No, my body is a bar and it's just eating nachos and wings. I like bar food. And then, yeah. yep. And then an apple comes in. Like, what is this? Yeah. Get out of here. It's like, yeah. So anyway, welcome to There Will Be Books, podcast about books and eating healthy. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, we got a fun episode. I I probably say that every week, but uh, we got some things to tell every week to the listeners. We got, we're going to talk about Matt's pet peeves about reading. I have a couple. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, some books uh, from a book haul that we got uh, this week. Actually, I bought seven books over the last couple, probably a week or so. Kind of went crazy. So, I don't know. Yeah. Every once in a while, I kind of binge on, on book buying. So, I have some books to discuss. I finished a book this week, and I also started uh, American Rust. What? What do you want to start with on that list of fun topics? Do you want me to quickly talk well, about the mother code? You can talk about the mother code. And kind of. You know. So last week I told you I was really liking the mother code by Carol Stevers, a, a book, a, kind of a pandemic book, really. Uh, it's a fitting book of the time about this kind of government engineered DNA virus thing that they're using to kill soldiers long story short the virus escapes out of the kind of like human chain of events and kind of gets replicated in i don't know other forms of bacteria i don't know it's kind of confusing anyway the whole world gets infected and the kind of the the other premise of the book is they to cure the human population they genetically engineer these kids and have them be raised by uh, robots 
Does that sound entertaining so far to you? Is that like so they're doing this to save humanity because there's not yeah, enough? Yeah, because there's there's no like humans to like save them. But then later on, they have the enough book, time to engineer robots to be. Yeah, that's okay. So the book kind of falls apart once you start thinking about it, which is yeah. problematic. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they develop these robots to raise the kids. These like very large robots that have cocoon sort of things, and then. I mean, like cocoon sort of things. So they Balloons? keep them out of, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, so they're like raising the kids, raising the kids. Yeah, they teach them. The kids are very smart, also. The, the book, that's an issue I had with the book. The kids don't seem like kids. Because they're raised by robots. Exactly. So I guess the point is raise kids by robots, but it, what I thought was interesting is the author is trained biochemist. That's her background. This is her first book. And I kind of sort of could tell the parts about the biochemistry and sort of the pandemic were very good and interesting. And I thought that's where the book was strongest where it falters is the, the whole idea of mother code and robots with personality. It's not really developed well. The characters in the book, this is going to sound strange, but they have very generic names and you kind of lose track of who's who because the characters really aren't that distinct in a way. And I would say the last half of the book kind of turns into like a teen drama sort of thing. It's, it's, it's a, kind of a different tone. And so I don't know if it's geared towards younger readers, maybe, but I think it's just sold as fiction. I mean, a younger reader would not make heads or tails of the kind of the biology in, in the first part of it. So no. it just, it just fell apart on many levels. The, the structure was kind of weak and the plotting was leading up to the end was not very good. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a disappointing read this week. I don't know. So it wasn't like it kind of reminded me of a little bit of The Martian. So that, that <laughs> yeah, I, I read The Martian, and where I think The Martian succeeded in a lot of ways was it didn't. It stayed with sort of the science behind it. If you read that book, there's a lot of science and whatever about sort of living on Mars. And then there's kind of a sense of humor about the book. None of that's really the focus in the mother codes all over the place. So there is no real focus. Yeah, it, it sort of felt like the publisher um, kind of interjected and added all these things. It's just a lot of strange storylines that don't really go anywhere. Okay. And that's yeah. random characters die and you're not really there for the scene. And it's, I don't know. It just, Oh, like they die off screen. You're like, and then so, and you're like, why was it? Yeah, it just felt parts were rushed. Other, like they travel from New Mexico to San Francisco, like constantly, and you're not really sure how they have fuel because there's like no, there's no one really alive except for, um, there's a Native American tribe that has like, genetically, they have the kind. Of, latent structure in their dna to not catch the virus basically okay so there's a small group of, the, of them alive but then there's some scientists who were developing the robots and sort of a vaccine that never really came to 
anyway, there's just a lot of strands in the novel. It kind of showed how hard it is to write a book, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, you have, you kind of, the, the initial premise is good. It just, it, it needed refinement or there were too many suggestions, I guess, that were included yeah. in the final draft. Maybe so. it needed to be tighter. Yeah. More focus. I would say focus just on like the science and biology of, of, you know, chemical warfare that gets out of hand because the idea is you infect the, the, the soldiers with this virus and they've genetically engineered the virus so it can't spread. So humans can't spread it. What ends up happening is the environment spreads it and infects humans that way. So that was an interesting concept. The other stuff just wasn't developed very well. It's, so. it's interesting. You got to have a story to also carry it. Well, yeah. What made me think of the Martian yeah. was that was that guy's first novel. Yeah. And he was kind of a scientist and mm-hmm. you could tell he was really detailed into how you would in theory grow stuff on Mars and stuff. But yeah. I think what made the Martian work was it was just the pretty, it was a pretty straightforward survival castaway mm-hmm. story. And it's like, okay, is he going to make it? And that was the through line. Yeah. You could, you could kind of dot or populate mm-hmm. that through line with all the neat. Yeah. Scientific I, I, so this didn't do that. No, I, I wish, I mean, when you have, I guess when you have like a biochemist or someone in their field, I guess there's the worry that they could get too technical, but in a way you want them to be really technical because they have the expertise in this field. So like, let's say just a fiction writer decides to write and they have to like study it and whatever. So they probably will get stuff a little bit wrong or whatever. In my mind, I would want, you know, someone in expertise or whatever to sort of, I don't know rely on that and not not necessarily the sort of other elements of of plot or story like you know a lot of character development felt weird and off and stuff like that so i i think the book should have leaned into different things that it ended up doing so that was yeah. kind of my critique of it i i kind of didn't want to finish it but it was it, i was like it kind of was yeah <laughs> not the greatest so yeah hey so should we get into your earlier this week? You're like, I have some book bookish pet peeves. And I was like, well, I'm re- I'm I was that. pet peeves in general. They're pet not even really bookish. Just oh. a couple of pet peeves that I have that I wanted. I want to use this platform. I have to get them off the chest. Okay. I'm ready. Do you have a, uh, you have how many do we have? Five, 10, three? I have three. Okay. Just three. three. Right, Things that kind of bug me and yeah. nobody really talks about. Okay. Right? They're not oh. generic. And we'll see. The first one, this is a little difficult to, I think you'll know what I'm, like, what I'm talking about. Yeah. But so it's something that pops up a lot in uh, kind of quirky comedy shows, comedy in quotes. <laughs> a lot of commercials now, yeah. a lot of like, it's a staple, I guess, of modern comedy. Yeah. When you have a celebrity show up, as themselves and then the unassuming the 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 normal person mm-hmm. uh sees oh wow paul mccartney or oh wow rick moran like they say the celebrity's full name yeah that bugs me you hate I that. don't i don't like the, how they say the full name i'm fine with the celebrity popping up in a little thing right 
I don't like, like it, it actually. Man. Have you Do ever you seen wanna... Oceans 12 or 13 where Julia Roberts plays Julia That's Roberts? That's not what I mean. I'm not okay. talking about meta stuff. No, do you do you recognize what I'm talking about, though? It's a lot of, uh, let's say, it's Saturday Night Live. This happens, a lot, right? Like, yeah, I see. I saw it happen in a in a little thing with like Neil Gaiman. The off people like will show up and they'll be like, "Oh wow, Neil Gaiman. Oh wow, it's or um yeah. I, oh, thanks, Dan Aykroyd. They'll they? say the full name of the celebrity. <laughs> it's a specific thing. If you start looking for it, you'll see it. You know, okay. It, that's strange. I think that's weird. I think it's a weird pet peeve of yours. How mm. often does this? I don't think this happens that often. It happens a lot on comedy shows. Probably Saturday Night Live. I haven't watched that show in a long time. Uh, commercials. So you don't like it when an actor shows up, a famous person, and, and they say his the full name. Part of the script. It's part. Of, it's like a corny little. Oh wow, Norman Reedus. Oh wow! Who? And they'll say the they'll say the full name. All right. Like you know, this is your platform to get stuff off your chest. Okay, I thought this was gonna be a little bit more bookish because I was trying to think of stuff to like help lead the conversation. And mine was uh, my number one was I don't like it when I'm reading and someone comes up to me like let's say I'm on break at work and someone's like, "Hey, what are you reading?" And and then I just don't like that. I feel like it's your obligation if you want to know what someone's reading to sort of like sleuth around and stare at the cover for a while. Get a peek at the cover and be like, Get a oh, peek at the cover. David Mitch. I like David Mitch. That's, yeah, no, that's I don't even know if I want them to tell me that. What about after? It's not. Okay, so not, here's what I would. Con- break. Yeah, okay. So let's say I close the book, then start in. I would also like to admit I'm guilty of this too. <laughs> I've seen people reading like, Hey, what are you reading there? And I'm like, Oh, shouldn't do that. What are your, does it help if, if it's a person who obviously likes reading? Cause I'm with, I don't like it when it's somebody who kind of doesn't read a lot and they go, like, Oh, what are you reading? And you go into it and they kind of get like, the wide eyed thing. Don't, like I don't read, they don't know what you're talking yeah. about. If it was somebody who's like, also heard of it they're like oh david mitchell i love david mitchell then i'm more i'll be like okay we can go somewhere because i hated back when i was reading cloud atlas and recommending it to people like yeah you know what are you reading it's like oh this book cloud atlas it's you know and they're like what's it about and it's just like oh "Oh, yeah that's i hate that question this book to you and they think you're being rude (laughs) it's like i I don't yeah i really don't like describing what a book's about because i'm like do you want the plot or do you want my feelings or do you want Maybe well, especially with, I'm, I'm bad at describing books. No, yeah, or something that's hard to explain. Yeah, like, like, this is a, like, you know, it's hard to explain all my sad European novels that I'm reading. Sometimes, you know, yeah, it's about a bridge, you know, and yeah, exactly. Cultural, like that, really? Okay, I'm like, no, it's really good. You don't get it. Anyway, you so. should develop a just a stock answer. So like it's about a guy looking for his um, lost love. I should be like, it's about a murder. You know, yeah. people like murder podcasts. I should be like, it's about a murder. And then I'll switch it up and be like, it's a serial killer novel. Yeah. And like, what? And I'm trying to figure out if it's, yeah, it's either the wife or the guy is the serial killer. And then just try like, I don't know yet. I want to finish reading. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, you should, to counter that, just be super like 
tell them everything. Like, what are you reading? And you're like, well, you know what? This is Bob Miller's fifth book. Yeah, and then you just go in and keep going, and they get annoyed, and they never ask you what you're reading ever again. Problem solved. Okay, we we fixed my my pet peeve, my first one. Mm-hmm. Let's do your second non-bookish pet peeve. I'm ready for it. I don't like – this is kind of in pop culture too. Okay. The, um, this new lingo for like old concepts, but uh, people act like it's a new thing. Okay. Like the whole dad bod. Dad bod. You know, he's got dad bod. Like it's not – middle-aged men, uh, their metabolism slows down and uh, they get yep. chunky. It's not like – dad bod is like a new thing and they'd say it like it's a new concept but it is not can i can i tweak this a little bit what if you saw a kid and you're like he has a dad bod that'd be funny i kind of thought that would be funny and you don't know the kid it's creepy yeah i mean yeah let's say a family and you're like god are you at a playground by like no 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 you're at a family event and you're like hey Cousin Jesse's kid has a dad bod, but that's kind of mean. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Now I realize. Oh, and the big thing, the thing that got me, and this is like, it was like 10 years ago or whatever when that Judd Apatow movie came out, I Love You Man. Okay. And they marketed it as the bromance, a bromance instead of a romance. Right? What is your, what is the pet peeve oh, again? What is the, so let is, me, let me, let me. Okay. So it, they market it as like a bromance. And like yeah. it was a new concept. It was like this movie, just, it's like a romantic comedy formula, but instead of a boy and a girl falling in love, it's two dudes becoming friends. Bromance. And it was like a bromance. And they coined the word like it was a new concept. But my thing was, this is, you are describing what's known as friendship, <laughs> right? And it pre it actually, the notion predates Judd Apatow. Mm. You know what I mean? But no, no, for real. So like that, I mean, and it's in movies before. That's the Butch yeah. Castle, the Sundance Kid is that exact premise. It's, you know, it's all over the place. I hear and It's you. just an old and ancient concept, but the new words are, they talk, people talk about them you like it's like, brand new. You it know, like new words? Out. Okay. Bromance. I don't think you would be very uh, fun in a marketing meeting. No, I hate, I hate marketing. <laughs> Because I think these are all like marketing numbers. ideas that they came up with in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I think they're terrible. Yeah. I think they're terrible. Do you ever watch Mad Men? No, I should. I'm not like opposed to that, but. Okay. Just wondering. So, no. You hate new well, words. You hate where, uh, new words for old concepts is your second. New one. words talked about like they're old concepts. Just, you know, and you know what, like uh, yeah, there's yeah, more. Yeah. Dad bod, bromance. Okay. Um, that that type of stuff. So like, yeah, there, there are certain things that kind of creep into the cultural waves of doing or saying things that is kind of annoying, but yeah. No, and yeah. there they are kind mm-hmm. of like marketed test group stuff. People think okay. they're being cute and precious, but you're very angry about these two. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh I came up with my second bookish pet peeve to keep it somewhat on books this episode Mm. and this is actually a question i have for you because i asked the girlfriend hey what are your bookish pet peeves and she goes bookish ones Uh, yeah give me Mm. and 
she didn't like dog ears. That's whatever. That's not the one I want to talk to you about. She said she was more annoyed by pen, like writing in pencil or pen or whatever, than highlighting. Hmm. And I thought that was weird because highlighting for me, I will not buy a used copy of a book that has highlighting. I really hate it. Writing or whatever, or even underlining, underlining something with like a pencil or pen. I'm sort of okay with that, but highlighting real, like, I really don't like that. And I thought it was strange that she thought pencil writing was worse than highlighters. What are your thoughts? I do. I think aesthetically highlighting is worse for me. If I'm flipping through at a bookstore and there's two copies of the same book and one has highlighting and one just has some pencil, I, well, and one has pencil, I go with pencil. But it, I don't let it put me off too much. If I really want the book, I'll get it. But I think I, I highlighting because it maybe just because it jumps out at you. Yeah. Even just as an aesthetic choice. It might be helpful is, to like learn something like studying, but I don't want it when I'm reading a book, you know, my yeah, own well, experience. And I do sometimes I think if like somebody's made notes in the margins and you bought the book used, obviously. Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of interesting to see what they thought was important and stuff. I'll kind of note that. Have you ever bought a book where there's notations throughout the whole book? Uh, yeah, actually. Really? Cause you know, yeah. mostly it's the first chapter or like the introduction has a lot of uh, <laughs> writing and notes, yeah. then it disappears. And you can tell it trails off. Yeah. It, they probably didn't read the rest of the book, but they're yeah, very funny. into oh. that first section. So that happens a lot. There's actually a cut like uh, the Marshall McLuhan book I have, Understanding Media. It's mm-hmm. an old copy. And I think two people have read it all the way through. There's a pink highlighter and there's like somebody who went through with a blue pen. Oh, and nice. I've been actually better lately about like I, making notes and anything that, that strikes me, I underline. So yeah. I go back and look it up. So I have to make sure with that one to like have like a black pen or some different so I can tell. Oh, this book is when, no, when I start, when I go back, I need to know if it's me or this other guy, you know. This is like the most complicated Google document that has ever existed, except for it's a book. And you're like, this is you shouldn't you should give a name, like you should have an index at the beginning of that book, be like pink highlighter, reader A. Well, no, exa- exactly. Blue well, pen or unknown reader B. I just have Black to know what's me. Yeah, I have to know what's me or not when I go back and look. But yeah, that's not too much of a pet peeve of mine either way. But if I bought a new book or a library book had that, it would bother me. But like a used book. Well, if you store, do that to a library book, that's just, you know, that's a criminal act, isn't it? Yeah, you, you, you can't. Public property it. and yeah. it's like spray painting a building. Can't do that. You should be arrested. Well, so I'm glad, yeah. So, all right, your your third pet peeve. This is my last. It's not a pet peeve so much. You must have like you a, must have more than three. Just like this is just a, a small sip of your anger. These are just things I wanted to get off my chest. Okay, it's fine. Uh, and this one, I guess, is less of a pet peeve and more of an Andy Rooney segment from oh, sixty minutes. I no, don't know if, if you're, you're not. That. No one's going to know who that is, but okay. Why don't they make bathtubs bigger? That's a pet you peeve. Ever, you go right, to take a bath, 
and it's like you can only fill it up so much before it starts like you know draining now, is this, automatically is this your actual pet peeve or is this you doing andy rooney pet peeve or is this your pet peeve this is a genuine thing i wonder about why don't they make bathtubs bigger my knees always stick out it's never full enough i need a little more space no and i I don't because the, the tubs aren't big enough. Ooh, Just, I have an the idea. The tub's a little this is deeper. Good. Have you ever, what about the people who read in the bathtub? I always thought that was strange. No, I, I'd do that. If they had bigger and deeper bathtubs, yeah. It's a nice place to just what sit do you mean and read. Deeper? How deep do you want a bathtub to be? Big Isn't enough so a... my knees can fit under the water. What the, what are you doing? You take a bath? Do you not know what I'm you talking st- about? Do you stand up while you take a bath? What this are you is talking ridiculous. about? No, it's like two and a half feet. You can't get your whole, I, like, can't stretch my feet out and my knees are above the water. Okay, I and understand I about the length, but I think you're supposed to sit. I don't think you're supposed to, like, lay down like Dracula and then rise up from the water and be like, that's a huge bathtub. That's a two-person bathtub. A little deeper. So it goes a little deeper and a little wider. How about this? I just came up with an idea. An L-shaped bathtub. Okay. So one person can lay one way, another person can lay, and your kind of feet, I guess, would be floating in the same proximity. How about that? Like a sectional couch? And if it was just you in the bathtub, you could just kind of roam around like a pool. That is one of my that happy? Does that make you happy? Yeah. It's bad if you're younger and have roommates because that's weird. Yeah. I'm just like a couple situation. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like a, like a, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with bathtub ideas for you. Just a but, little deeper. It's not that complicated. What if just you, a little sunk, in- you sunk the floor? Okay. Get this. And you had, and you had a tall bathtub. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you first walked in, it looked like a normal size bathtub or the height was normal. Little did you know, it goes down four feet. Yes. I just want a bigger tub. It it doesn't have to be that complicated. In every bathtub I've ever had, my knees stick up and it doesn't doesn't go as high as I want and I'm not as comfortable. Some bathtubs are pretty shallow. I'll give you that. That's what I'm saying. Just a little bit. What about the old like Victorian ones? Are those deep enough? Oh, the ones that have you see in westerns where it's standalone, like there's little feet on them. Yeah, I've never been in one. Me neither. I don't think I have. Well, there is. I've seen them a lot in movies. They should come back. I'd be down with that. You yeah. have to find somebody to pour buckets of hot water in there. <laughs> and you gotta have your six, you gotta have your six shooter under the bubbles. So when the bad guy comes in, the audience thinks you're screwed. This is Mel Gibson. What's that Mel Gibson movie? Lethal Weapon. Nope. Maverick. The one where he's the ma- Maverick. Maverick. Do you, if, I don't think you could put a gun in water, though. I think it's under the bubbles. It's a you trope. Know, do you not know what bubbles there. are? Bubbles if are They're movies, Peter. I don't know how okay, they that's how a pet they, The magic right. of Hollywood. But have you seen that? You're like, uh-oh, he's in the bath and alone, and the bad guy's got him cornered, and then next thing you know, gunshot. And he had a gun the whole time. <laughs> Just in the bubbles. You know who wrote the screenplay to Maverick? Who? William Goldman. Uh, I was going to guess Aaron Sorkin. Mm. I don't know why. 
William Goldman. Sorry. William Goldman. And I heard um, James Gardner was saying Mel Gibson in, like improv so much on that movie that he's like, I don't think Goldman recognized his script because Gibson was just making stuff up. If you improvise, can you get writing credits for your, your parts? I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works, but I was just that just popped in my head. I don't know. Have you ever read a screenplay? Have I ever wrote a screenplay? That wasn't the question, but I'm interested no. in the. But have you ever read a screenplay? No, I read a couple books by William Goldman on like writing, and he's got screenplay samples and stuff, but not a full one. Full. Isn't it a page on the in the screenplay? Is a page on the screen? Is that right? Or a minute. There's a some minute. time to show. Well, yeah, it's yeah, like a page, a minute, or 30 seconds. or it's, Yeah, there is some formula they always talk about. like. And then pages. they have the formatting is all very strict. Like there's a book mm-hmm. on how to format a uh, screenplay. Well, there's a certain standard. They tell you like studios like if you want to get it read, you know, true. format it like this. And there is some, I'd have to look it up, but there's a time. A page is a certain amount of time per yeah. Okay, so to review your pet peeves, you don't like it when a famous actor shows up on a TV show and they say their full name and it's a You game. do it a lot in commercials too. It's annoying. It's a trope. Okay. Audience, look for it. It's kind of annoying. There's a lot of like sports people because the first thing that comes to my mind is like sports athletes. Yeah, and it'll show, wow, Aaron Rodgers. Well, aren't they? Wow. The reason why they're showing up is they're promoting the thing. What are you talking about? Like I don't know. Not talk shows. I'm talking like no a commercial. Like, if they have Aaron Rodgers in the, in the commercial, for you that, that don't know, Aaron Rodgers is a professional football player. If I like. He, we have a podcast. We have to explain that. We probably do. Probably. Um, he, he shows up. He is getting paid to promote Subway or whatever. I'm not sure you know how commercials work. Mm, no. No, this okay. is a real thing. I don't it, want to get it, into it. it it's anymore. beyond athletes. It's it's just okay. a, it's annoying. It's a little trope. Okay, bugs me. The but, second thing was, what was your second thing? Oh, new lingo for old concepts. New lingo for old, yeah. Romance, dad bod. Why don't, why don't we create our own lingo? But that would okay. be doing the thing you hate. Well, I'll work on it, and we just have to not be cutesy about it. Do you it. hate the term podcast because that's just a new term for radio, kind of? Mm, I, I mean, if you wanted to go down that rabbit hole, it doesn't have to be pod because that's tied to a, a certain okay. wonderful, wonderful hosting site. But, um, it is. you know, the pod is tied to the, the just the product name. So it's really just talking on the Internet. Yeah, podcast catches on. It's easier it to fun. say. Yeah. And lastly, you don't like bathtubs. Their dimensions. Make damn bathtubs bigger. That's all I ask. Make them bigger. Okay. Any? Do you any book? I gave you two book pet peeves. How about this? This is kind of a weird one. And I don't know where I'm. I think I'm still evolving on this. When I read a hardcover book, I don't like the dust jacket on it. Mm, yeah. But then if I take off the dust jacket, I'm worried it's going to get ruined. Does that make sense? Yeah. You so do, I got the hardcover. Yeah. It's, it's this balance between – because the, the dust jacket slides down, you know? 
and then it crinkles on the bottom and i don't like that yep okay but then if you take it off it's just a dust jacket there and that looks weird yep and then do i put it then do i put it back on when i'm done reading okay Mm -hmm. no i know exactly what you. but i do like the look of a hardcover without a dust jacket so maybe i should just get rid of the dust jacket yeah i don't get rid of it what i do Yep. Because it's a trade-off because okay. the dust jacket flap makes a good bookmark. I don't like that, though. That's another there. thing. I don't like using the dust jacket flap as a, as a bookmark. Yeah. Okay, well, then you might like my method. What I do right. is I'll slip the dust jacket off, and I'll just use, like, a normal bookmark, and I'll put the dust jacket somewhere. I'll find a bookshelf, and for, I'll slip the empty book jacket in there. What? And then when I'm done with the book, I'll put the book jacket on. But it's just a, a placeholder for the, you know. Oh, and then the only thing yeah. you got to worry about is sometimes if you got greasy fingers and you're reading really intensely, there'll be little fingerprints. Stop. Slow down. The, on Slow the down. Yeah. I wash, I, like if I've eaten, I will wash my hands before I start reading the book. Yeah. You just. It doesn't happen you, all the time. Do I'm you saying eat a, and read? No, not at the same time, no. But no, I'm saying if it's a particularly intense book or something, or you're just a sweaty, are you sweaty a, dude. Are you, uh, it, I'm just saying some there there's a chance there's fingerprints on the cardboard. But that's the trade-off. Yeah, oh, I know you oh on the cardboard. I thought you meant on the cardboard, not on the paper, but on the outside, there's fingerprints. But then you just put the dust jacket on when you're done with it, you put it back on your shelf in the dust jacket. What percentage right. of your books do you think if I was to go someone's to go into your house? And, and take off the dust jackets of your books, would they find just like sweaty fingerprints? Hopefully just 1%. It's not a big thing. I'm just, it's a potential. Something you got to watch out for. I know what you're talking about because I think I've had that happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's interesting. What about, do you like the books where they have like the, the book marker that's like a, what is that? Like a ribbon type thing? Yeah. I used to not, but they've grown on me and um, yeah. Yeah, I use them. I use them now. It's, yeah. They, the, what is it? The modern library? I want to say yeah. those, the black covers they have on, those are really nice. Yeah. And I'm I've, using, I'm actually working my way through uh, the Don Powell, one of those. And I use a little ribbon because yeah. before I think I was a little OCD and it would bug me to have while I was reading that little flap over the side and I would like want to just get yeah. the thing, but now gotcha. I'm I'm fine with it, and it's pretty convenient just to like flip the ribbon back over. What else do you use as bookmark? Because I I have bookmarks, like ones, not that I've bought, I've never bought a bookmark, but like you know, you go to a bookstore and they have those ones. Yeah. Or I sometimes like fold a blank piece of paper in half if I want to take notes. I've done that before. Yeah. I've used receipts and i also think the quality of bookmark i give a book is my respect level for that book Ooh. how about that so uh, if, it, if yeah. it's also the bookmark can't be too big for the like a mass market can't have a full-size bookmark mm, yeah how about that yeah that could be a pet peeve like if you saw someone with a mass market and they had a, a hardcover size bookmark would you yeah. talk to him? Yeah. I don't care that much. Okay. I don't like those like gimmicky bookmarks. Like sometimes they're like the, the $6 bookmarks that are like, they have like chunks of metal or whatever. They're actually too fat. Like if you actually slid that whole thing. It's too thick. 
it would like it'll it'll stretch out the book. It'll mess with the spine. I would never. Good point. We're getting a lot Actually, of peeves off our chest right now. It's good. That's Some the people. point. It's it's cathartic. Do you ever crack a spine? Not on purpose. You've cracked. I'm, I don't think I've ever cracked a spine. The only th- I will I don't, if if I own a copy and I'm not too worried about it. You know, just get sloppy. I'll like leave it leave it open as a placeholder if like something comes is it, up. And it's it's like, a cracked spine. Uh, does the binding have to sort of break for that to be classified? So. And sometimes older hardback stuff just happens. Yeah, the glues. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a pe- that's a pet peeve. I hate when a, when a binding is bad. Yeah. When it, you get it from it, the library and it breaks through no fault of your own and you're worried you're going to get blamed on it. sounds like a personal. Because I know this, hey, this is not me. I uh, I happened to check it out and the old thing broke. You see how old I don't like it when you buy it and you're reading it for the first time and and you're like ooh and, and you open it and you're like oh that that part's weak like there's a there's a weakness on the in oh, it almost ruins the whole experience. Well, yeah, you don't want it to fall apart. It's true. And then some people are like, I've read this book so many times that the binding's falling apart. That's, one thing I, mean, I would part of it, I guess. Like one yeah. thing I'd like to be able to do is put like a nice shiny cover on some of my books. I've seen people like you know how the library does that. I kind of want to learn how to do that. Oh, the plastic, the lamination, or the yeah, plastic, yeah. Or but like it is. very clear for books mm. I like. I don't like that. You don't like that? I don't. I wouldn't like the shiny cover. No. It'd keep it would keep off the fingerprints. Yeah. Okay. Gloves will do that too. You, that'd be funny if you read your books with gloves. And with you snow just, gloves. Maybe you yeah. just admitted to it right now. Snow gloves. That's mm. be hard to turn the page. Have to be latex gloves, like hospital gloves. How do you? With this we're getting it. This episode, so it's just gonna be like in-depth reading preferences. Yeah. You hold a book when you're reading it. Two hands, left hand, right hand. Are you switching it up? Do you feel Switch like it up? You feel like you read better with a certain, uh, you know, setup. Nah, I switch it up. Usually two hands, I think, but sometimes I'll switch if it's small enough. You know, you can hold it in one hand, switch to the left. Okay. You know, switch to the right. Do you read sitting up or lying down? Both. I can't read. I got okay. Got a recliner. Sometimes is that lying down, down on the though? couch? If I'm reading on the couch, I'll lay down, and have a pillow to prop on my head, and books just rest on my chest. Okay. Oh, the book rests on your chest. I don't think I do that. Yeah, or I sometimes I'll hold it up. It, I, I I move around a lot. I can't sit still. Okay. Anything? Any other bookish thoughts about your? your set up or i don't know we could go i don't have notes or anything for it but there's a lot of blurb <laughs> speak that kind of is annoying like eye roll okay like even in good books calling something a literary tour de force or saying that the author brings for uh oh calling something fiercely human mm. book, vital okay even if it's just, just certain things that are so even if you like the book it's like eh, those things have been just running to the ground maybe it's true what if like some publisher was like, we're just putting like, uh, you know, we're asking who would we ask some author, Sally Rooney, 
Sally Rooney, give us a basic one. She, she goes overboard, and then she goes, I like the book. And that's the quote they put on it. She's like, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> like a thing, like you gave her a list, like, like just don't use literary, don't use all these yep, cliches. Yep. And so she's like, all right, fine. I gave it to my mom to read. Pretty good book. And that's the end of the quote. It's just like, my mom read it. <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my son bonded over this book. Stephen King. Hmm. That should be kind of nice, actually. That'd be refreshing if I read a blurb like that. Yeah. I would be a little skeptical. Sometimes when you see a book with no blurbs, that's weird, too. You've seen the sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah. And on the back is just a like an excerpt from the book itself yeah it does kind of raise flags like oh no couldn't get to, anybody uh, to review this you know it's interesting i heard uh neil gaiman give an interview one time and he said he was asked to blurb a book by an older author a sci-fi author who had written alike for a long time mm -hmm. and has, i guess his new book as an old man neil gaiman did not like but he respected the author and so it's like, how do I give, how do I be honest and not like hurt the feelings of this legend, but also um, I can't just lie and put my name on it, you know? Yeah. So he's, I think he wound up saying something to the effect of when this author was on, he was like the best, like something gen yeah. generic about the author and not the book. He's itself. not saying it. Yeah. Also, this that reminds me of when the, the blurb is about the author and not specifically the book. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. But that's mostly new. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And that praise. could speak, that could be like the Neil Gaiman thing I was just saying, or that could be like the author didn't have time to read the whole thing. I, but I think they I do, mean, they do separate that, which I don't know if that has to do with misleading advertising. Cause they'll say praise for, and they'll have the book title and then they'll have blurbs. And then they'll say praise for Michael Shabon. And now yeah. just generic praise, which. Or they'll do the previous. It must book. be about some other book. Cause when does, when do people write about oh, yeah. an author when it's not in reference to a book? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what it is. And sometimes they're, they're blatant about it. Like for Michael Shabon's new book, they'll be like, here's praise for wonder boys. Yeah. 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 And that's just There's to get be like, a lot of that. It's just marketing, right? There's got to be so much publishing. In like, we read a blurb from like a famous author, and like, oh, he sat down and read it closely, just like I'm about to. But it's no. like they have so much else on their plate. Yeah. Probably people who share the. Do same you get age. paid for the blurb? I think you get paid for the blurb. You know what? The first author. We're gonna get a real life author on here one of these times. We need to add. We need a to couple have, years. Like, I want to know about the blurbs. I want to know all about this. Okay. I like it. Yeah, there there you must be some back channel thing yeah. where do you, yeah. yeah. Do you ask a hundred and hope a couple say yes? Do you yeah. you know like, yeah, that'd be interesting. Your publicist gets back to you, ten no's. Oh man. Joyce Carol Oates said no? Yep, she said no. Dang it. Keep on <sighs> fishing. Keep on fishing for them blurbs. Oh. I was like, does she go fishing? Anyway. let's transition into a book haul. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is buy, buy new books. And then this is going to sound dumb, 
but just kind of stare at them when I bring them home. I set them up on shelves and I just kind of look at them. Yeah. Or I kind of like research them. Is that weird? I don't think that's weird. I think people do that with whatever their thing is. Should people do that with clothes? People are into clothes. Do that. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got seven books. You were, we went together one of the days, but another day I bought three books. Um, online from our local independent bookstore. I'll do the ones first that I bought with you. I bought uh, mostly classics with you. So to start off, we we talked a while ago about my, you know the gaps in your reading or whatever. And this is a gap that I've never even really attempted this author. The author is Virginia Woolf, the much acclaimed um, from, you know, being a lit major, or whatever, difficult writer, I guess, is what I've heard, you know, the stream of consciousness, kind of compared to James Joyce, although I don't think she liked James Joyce. I saw some review where she did not like uh, Ulysses or whatever. Yeah. So the two books I got of hers are Mrs. Dalloway and To the Lighthouse. So two classics pretty cheap i figure you know like i get these maybe under my belt at some point so have you ever read virginia wolf or ever wanted to read i don't think you strike me as someone who's interested in the western canon trying to complete certain authors i'm interested i want to read virginia wolf at some point i haven't but no she's on my list of of somebody I, i want to read at least one i i kind of read the first page or whatever and i was like this isn't too difficult so yeah we'll see the other one i got a big french book probably for some weird reason when i hear this book i think mostly of the movie or like the play and that is les mis rablas or les mis by victor hugo 1862 i got the norman denny translation i don't know if that matters it's a penguin classic so big i don't know when i'll get to that book but Another cheap book, another classic. Didn't have it, so I got that one. Any comments about that book? Would you ever? Yeah, it's on the list. I think of the musical. Musical, yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, it's it's one of the most popular. I had a copy of it, and I started reading it when I was like 19 years old. Yeah. When I was trying to be like, trying to get serious into literature and i had this copy i didn't realize it was abridged and when i found that out i was like "Ah, i don't want to read this yeah and it was uh the only time i maybe the when i read uh, catcher in the ride this happened too the copy i had it was like my fingerprints were making it all dirty like the pages okay it was like the well, not not my fingerprints, but like the ink on the page was coming off on my fingers. Smudges, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is really annoying. I don't know if I had sweaty hands or whatever. Probably. Probably. I might have the issue that you have. And then the other one I got when we were out book shopping was Apex Hides the Hurt by Colson Whitehead. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. The third, I don't know if I said that title right. Hold on. Yeah, Apex Hides the Hurt. It's kind of a strange title. Uh, it's his third novel, 2006. Uh, hmm. It's sort of about the town of Winthrop in the D- 
decision to rename it in the different groups and their different ideologies and reasonings. A blurb said it's a cautionary tale about the dangers of valuing signs over substance. It also sounds like it's kind of funny, I guess, is hmm. a simple way of putting it, but more complex. And um, I don't know. I, I read the Underground Railroad earlier this year and really liked it. So I've been picking up the Colson Whitehead. Um, I, I picked up the Intuitionist is the other one I bought. I have not picked up Nickel Boys, which I think you won the Pulitzer this year or last year for. He, he's written a lot of books. He has written a lot of books. Yeah. So. Hmm. The three I bought online, I'll start with the science fiction one. This was a friend of mine, shout out Kendra, re- recommended this to me. Her and her husband have been reading this uh, series of books. It's uh, the Demon Cycle series by Peter V. Brett. And the, oh, wow. the one I got was The Warded Man. Uh, that came out in 2009. It, it's um, sort of, it sounds like a battle between man and demons. And demons have been winning this war and getting rid of humans. And in the, the history of man, there used to be a way to combat demons. And that way has kind of been lost. And these three heroes are trying to learn the ways of history to defeat the demon evil empire or whatever so this is the first in the series first in the series is called the warded man so i think there's five in this series i want to say this series is over but don't hold me to that so the other one uh, here we go with the uh european literature some german books austrian books first one is all for nothing by walter kampowski which is a new york review of books from 2006 it was actually written i think in 2006 as well and this book is about the nearing the end of world war ii set in a crumbling manor house in eastern prussia and it's sort of this family's falling apart and there are like retreating german soldiers and sort of people who have been displaced who kind of show up at the house and the story kind of evolves from there so that that sounds kind of interesting to you, I would say. Kind of. Yeah, kind of yeah. maybe. Cheating. See, I'd have to. If I was debating on whether or not to read it, I'd open it to. Uh, I open it to a book to page one hundred eleven. One hundred eleven. Okay. And see if the style, yeah, strikes me. I was reading about the author Kampowski. He used autobiographical material in his work, but not just like his own personal life. He saw after. Uh, other people's personal diaries, letters, and photographs, and he would place classified ads in newspapers, and he compiled this like great archive of other people's kind of, you know, kind of a, a marking of history, I guess. And he would use those, you know, diaries and letters to help write his novels, I guess. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing about the author. That is interesting. You know, I read somewhere Sinclair Lewis carried around like a chest of like newspaper clippings of like stories. Oh really? That were interesting. And he kind of used those as baseline for plots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sort of similar. And the last one is a Austrian author, uh, Thomas Bernard. And the book is Extinction, which was written in 1986 and translated in 1995. This is about 
kind of the black sheep of a powerful Austrian family. He goes to his sister's wedding and uh, kind of vows never return to his home. But then as he's going, kind of, I think he's, he travels to somewhere in Austria or, or in that region and he's exiled in, in Italy. As he's going back to Italy, he receives word that his parents and brother have died in a car crash. And sort of the story goes, he must now go back home and he's now the head of the family name and you know, title and all that stuff. And oh, okay. I think it's kind of like a philosophical book in some sense, maybe. Uh-huh. So what uh what put that on your radar? What made you order that? Uh I sometimes just search out different countries and their auth like their their important authors oh. in a weird way. And he's a uh kind of important German writer figure. Huh. Or I guess as in- Austrian, but that's impressive. That's yeah. a good way to become cultured. Very, very yeah, it's kinda of nerdy, kinda of learned. I don't know if oh, is that learned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you kinda of just search around. And actually there's a Google page about German writing that I kind of bookmarked at one point and it was interesting, kind of like the history of fiction writing in Germany. Hmm. So those are seven books. I'll do them real quick. Mrs. Dalloway and To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. Apex Hides the Hurt by Colson Whitehead. Les Mis by Victor Hugo. Extinction by Thomas Bernard. All for Nothing by Walter Kampowski. And The Warden Man by Peter V. Brett. So that was my book haul for this week. You bought some books. Do you have them nearby or do you remember what you bought? I just got two. You got two. Pretty good. One I didn't know existed until just the other day, but I snapped it up because the cover looked cool. And it's by Richard Adams, the guy who wrote uh, Watership Down. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I and I haven't I haven't actually haven't read Watership Down, but that's one of the, that's one of the ones that I might to be to be read yeah. forever. Um, but I have fond memories of the. Um, the cartoon Watership Down. There was I mean, a cartoon? Like a, yeah, there's a cartoon Watership Down. Really good. Oh, I didn't know that. For kids or uh, stoned college students. Uh, either way. No comment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I won't say what my fond memories are from. But uh, but this one is called The Plague Dogs. And it's kind of a, I guess the guy. Is it a sequel or a prequel or? No, I think it's just a similar vein. It's from okay. the perspective of the dogs. Oh, neat. Dogs escape from a, a laboratory, you know, like where they test animals and it's kind of, they meet other animals and it's yeah. their journey, which is Watership Downs, you know, from the perspective of the rabbits. And yeah. It's cool, but it's like, a, that sounds like kids literature, but it's, you know, actually, you know, mm-hmm. substantial adult fare, you know. Yeah, so it's, like, it's cool. I've had yeah, Watership Down forever and haven't read it. Me too. Yeah, I should eventually get around to that. And then I got um, The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins. Yes, somebody... I, I bought that last month and you were there. Yeah. So we got well, and then I, I started, uh, he, he was one of those guys who just kind of like, I never even think about. It was called like the first detective about. novel, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that. 
I mean, it's, yeah, that's in the description. People talk about it that way now. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I, was, I started reading up on Wilkie Collins after you got yeah his books. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, friends with Dickens. Like, why haven't I heard about him? And then I kind of read about some of his books. I was like, oh, these actually sound really good. And so I was keeping my eye out. Something to, to, to keep in mind for when we, you know, nominate our next book. Yeah. Book club book of the month. So, yeah, but I was on the lookout for so so I I just got two, but I'm I intend smart. to read both of them. They're pretty smart. Excited about them. Keep it manageable. How's your uh, library? You have like a ton of library books, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I decided I wasn't going to get around to two, so I returned them. But okay, That's making smart. progress on um the one. Uh, what is it? Sins of Empire or whatever by um, Brian McClellan. McClellan. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll finish that one. Nice. Have you? Uh, I just started uh, American Rust, which is our September yeah. book club. That's really good. I'm liking it. It's good. It's yeah, really good. it's right up my alley of just delving into the lives of sort of desperate characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. You know, there's intimate relations, sort of, and how people. And I, he has a very keen sense of describing human emotion and yeah. the relationships, and sort of how history affects all, all, all of that. So, yeah, that's very good. Very, very good. good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we picked that book, and I think to the listener out there, if you're on the fence about American Ross, definitely pick it up. Cause so far it's really, really good. Yeah. It's well worth reading. We'll have a lot to talk about in the, yeah, we'll do of course a uh, standalone episode at the end of the month or early October, just talking about that book. So any other bookish news, thoughts, pet peeves, bites, no, I got yeah. a lot of the, the, the pet peeves I wanted to get off my chest. I got off my chest. That was a, I think that was healthy for us. We got a yeah. lot of our... I mean, I I don't know if I could articulate that first one well. I don't know if I got my point across. But I think, I think listen, I you know. might know what I'm talking about. Like, it, it's, okay. it's, it's kind of irritating. Keep an eye out for it, and you'll see it. You know, start grinding your teeth. It's kind of annoying. It's a little too cutesy. It's a little little much for me and it's been played it's played out too 2005 maybe it's like oh paul mccartney what are you doing why do you keep saying paul mccartney i'm trying to think of uh, specific examples of famous people it's it's used for it's paul mccartney on tool time oh my gosh tim allen's like like paul mccartney or in a a commercial where it's kind of like you know because there's a lot of like quirky random humor in commercials now because one of the things, because the money's in marketing and commercial side of things, so all the creative people finally sell out and go into marketing. So you're seeing a lot of, you know, clever things in commercials. Yeah. And it's more when the randoms, like, so it's like a random celebrity shows up. I, I think, and they can't just, because we I know who the celebrity can. is. So don't say the full name, you know? Be like, oh, hey, Paul. Or don't even, we know who it is. You don't hey, say what if it's in the contract that they have to say the full name? Then, you know. I never thought of that. It's, it's not always somebody as big as Paul McCartney. Just keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. You'll see it. 
I'm, I'm going to be pissed if I start noticing this. You should. You will. It's I'm going to text you and be kind of angry. So. Yeah. Be angry at them, not me. All right. Don't shoot well, the messenger. Well, I think that means we're about at the end of this episode when Matt goes on the same tangent and anger and pet peeve. So let Matt know if you agree with these uh, pet peeves or let us know if you've done a recent book haul or what you're reading or about to read or checking out from the library. You can get in contact with us a couple ways. We have our email address at willbebooks at gmail.com. We have an Instagram account where we post a couple times a week uh, at There Will Be Books. We also have a Goodreads account where we you can read some of our reviews about books we finished or reading or comment on. And what else do we have? That's about it, right? Just those three. Yeah. We're not on Twitter yet. We're not on Twitter. We're resisting it. So, it might happen, but I, I don't know. Oh. We're trying to put it off as long as possible. It's <laughs> good. So uh, get in contact with us and we will be back next week to talk about books and, you know, random things. So thanks for listening. Hey, you know, God bless y'all. <laughs>